Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, sponsored by Amazon. Today's Thursday, January 28th. Stocks are up. Robinhood shut down GameStop trades. And we're focused on Joe Biden's big tech agenda. Big tech. It's that group of companies we all use uh, to communicate, to search for information, to buy stuff, to waste time. Oh, and an increasing number of us also blame big tech for the world's problems, from the personal to the political. In fact, animosity toward big tech might be the only thing that really unites us right now as a country. Now, to be clear, there are some lines of critical and partisan demarcation. Republicans, for example, seem mostly concerned with who can and can't say whatever they want on social media platforms and how those messages get amplified or smothered. Democrats, on the other hand, seem mostly concerned with broader issues of market power and antitrust law. What we haven't heard, though, is too much from the incoming Biden administration about its top tech priorities. So we wanted to dig into them and how the new Congress plans to address them with California Congressman Ro Khanna. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by California Congressman Ro Khanna. So, Congressman, let's start here. We're about two weeks into a new administration, into a new Congress. From your perspective, when it comes to technology and big tech issues, what is the top priority of the Biden administration? The top priority should be opt-in consent for data. Let me explain why. The social media fanning the flames of extremism and violence that we've seen, the recommendation to join QAnon groups or to join extreme groups, a lot of that is because of the data model. They basically get your data, they construct profiles, and then they funnel toxic information to you that captures your attention and maximizes your user time. That entire model needs to be challenged. And the best way, in my view, to do it, the starting point is to have opt-in consent. Do you think you have buy-in from the White House? And do you think it's something that big tech issues are something that is kind of high on the White House's priority list? if only because it's not something that Biden himself talked about that much on the campaign trail. I do think so. And I, I believe there are two reasons. When I got to Congress, these issues weren't that high on people's radar. They said, oh, this is a niche issue, tech issue. But two things have changed. One, we've gone through almost a year of a pandemic where people have seen the digitization of the economy and they understand that whether it's their kid's school or whether it's their own work, technology is such a dominant force. And two, they've seen the polarization of the electorate and the storming of the Capitol, a lot of it fueled by social media. So they've seen, wow, this can really have destructive impact. And both of those phenomena, I think, have led to an awareness in Congress and with President Biden at the White House uh, that something really needs to be done to write the rules of cyberspace where technology is shaping so many of our lives. Now, there isn't consensus on what those rules should be, but there is an understanding that this really matters. On the opt-in on data, you know, we've seen something sort of like that a little bit in Europe. But as you know, you use apps, you use things on the Internet. Most of us, when there is some sort of terms of service and it asks us to accept to be able to use whatever the thing is, we just we hit it. We don't read it terribly carefully. And we just because we want to use the service and we've kind of just accepted that they're going to take our stuff. If there was a required opt-in, wouldn't that just be the same? Wouldn't we all just hit accept and move on? It's a fair critique. I mean, the question is, one, you probably have to couple it with digital literacy. I mean, Finland has extraordinary digital literacy, which is one of the reasons 
people are very aware there of privacy and of false news. But you also don't need these long terms of service. I think you would have to make it much simpler for users. Apple's new iOS 14 is actually going to have opt-in data consent where they're going to require any app on the Apple operating system to ask users what they want. And it may be that you could ask people very simple questions and not some complex thing. And you probably don't want pop-up screens on on every issue and you need certain exceptions. You know, I uh, I probably am fine with having my credit card go to a, a merchant. There is probably, I'm fine with having some of my information used for uh, Google Maps, but I should have the option of not consenting to everything. And the second thing that comes with it quickly is that you would know what's happening to your data. And that's something that currently doesn't exist. One of the hot button issues, uh, particularly on the other side of the aisle is section 230. Am I correct in saying your position is that 230 as written should remain as written and doesn't need to be touched? Or do you believe it needs to be modified in some way? It needs to be reformed, but it needs to be reformed thoughtfully and carefully. One of the most promising areas of reform I've seen is the PACT Act. It's not perfect, but it says simply that if a court orders that something is illegal under Brandenburg, if a court says that speech is inciting imminent violence, that speech must be removed or other forms of illegality. Something like that, that is consistent with the First Amendment that is narrow, properly tailored, I think makes sense. When you get into FOSTA-SESTA and the legislation that had a devastating effect on uh, sex workers and really curtailing speech, that's where it goes too far. So whatever we do has to be carefully thought through. You had a tweet about this uh, and you said without Section 230, Amazon via Amazon Web Services would have been forced to continue to host Parler and harbor incitement to violence. Why would 230 have anything to do with that? Isn't AWS and Parler's simply a private contract between two organizations. And you can obviously set your own terms of service for any of your customers. Right. But the question is, if you don't have a freedom of the ability to have content moderation, and if we prescribe that, and if we force uh, these companies to, to have that, then we're really restricting their ability to do it. Now, you could argue that maybe what these companies will do is just not host any uh, controversial content. And maybe they would, we would have an internet that uh, just has dogs and cats and pictures of friends. So one extreme would be that we'd have no political speech. Uh, but the other extreme would be that the government was determining what the content uh, moderation was and through regulation and could be forcing in that situation Amazon to, to accept things that they don't want. Wouldn't it be the opposite though? Wouldn't getting rid of Section 230 make Amazon more likely to drop Parler as opposed to force it to keep it on its site? I think that's a fair pay. I mean, they would probably drop a lot of things. I mean, I think the bigger risk, I'll have to go reread that tweet, but I think the bigger risk is that they would drop all types of political speech, that these platforms, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, would just become apolitical, that they'd be so careful not to have any speech. So you actually would have an argument that for larger censorship, and I I don't think that's healthy because the Black Lives Matter movement, the Me Too movement, uh, the... uh, Arab Spring, uh, so many positive things have also taken place on these social media platforms. Let me ask you about the topic du jour of the day, because you've been tweeting about it and it seems the entire country is talking about it, which is GameStop and Robinhood and all of this. What's happened today, obviously, for those who don't know, is Robinhood and some other stock trading apps and platforms uh, either halted or restricted access to trading of some of these so-called meme stocks, nostalgia stocks, GameStop, AMC, etc. You seem not pleased with Robinhood's move here. Why not? And you seem to suggest there should be regulation. What would that regulation be? First of all, the regulation should be on the hedge funds, right? I mean, the the model of the hedge funds is just total manipulation where they short a stock and they go on TV and they tell everyone this company's not doing well, go sell. 
And I think the reason the country is cheering for these Reddit users is because they finally stuck it to these th- this hedge fund model. What the regulators couldn't do, uh, the Reddit users did. Uh, and so what we need, in my view, is financial transaction tax on, on the hedge funds. We need to have a regulation on these options for uh, shorting. Beyond that, though, we need to have Robinhood app be fair. So they shouldn't allow hedge funds to use the app in after hours and not allow retail traders to have the same access. Uh, and there needs to be some sense of regulation of uh, fairness of access of the use of these apps. There's a problem with hedge funds manipulating the mar- allegedly manipulating the market by shorting stocks. Not the same problem with Reddit users manipulating the stock to make it go up? No, because what Reddit users are doing is not coordinated. How, wait, how is it not coordinated? They're doing it in a room. I mean, it's very much coordinated, isn't it? I mean, they're putting a meme and then they're responding. They're saying, let's do it at the same time. Look, do I think that we need to have the definancialization of the economy? And would I rather that we're seeing more investment in manufacturing and production capacity building? Absolutely. But I think there is a qualitative difference between people who for their life uh, are taking millions, billions of dollars, shorting stocks and talking down a company uh, versus a crowdsource model where people who are worth maybe $100, $200 are getting together to stick it to the, the hedge funds because they've been so sick of the manipulation. So uh, I think there's a, a response to the excess of, of a gambling system that has worked for, for the hedge funds. And people are saying, well, if they're going to do it, we need to, uh, why don't we at least uh, push back? But it's in response to something that has been abused. From your perspective, should trading apps, and some of which are you know run by major banks, some of which are independent like Robinhood, should they have the legal ability to stop trading on their platform of a particular stock if they believe it's gotten too volatile, there's another problem. Obviously, the exchanges are able to do it. Should an app be able to restrict trading of a particular stock on their app for their users? If they restrict and they, they restrict the hedge funds as well and they restrict everyone? I think as long as, I mean, my understanding is right now that's not the case. And that Robinhood, you have hedge funds and others that have the ability to trade off, off hours. But if there, were, uh, if there were standard regulations saying that these are the things that trigger a cessation of trade and those rules were clearly laid out, then absolutely, uh, that makes sense. I think what, the reason here people are suspicious is, you know, the little guy was winning and then the next day it stops. And uh, you can understand why that would make people uh, suspicious. That's very different than if there were clear rules that were predetermined and laid out and Robin Hood was complying with those, with those laws. Congressman, just a final yes, no question for you. Uh, lots of talk, as you said, said at the beginning of this, as we discussed at the top, about there being tech regulation, it's become a much bigger issue on both sides of the aisle. By the time this Congress is over in in basically two years, do you believe there's going to be in some way, some major legislation passed that is going to significantly impact the operations of big technology companies? Yes or no? Yes, there has to be. Let me ask you a quick question because you've been very thoughtful on this opt-in data consider, we're working on it. What do you think needs to be done so people just don't click through the notifications of data? I think that's a, it's a fair critique. I'm a very cynical person, I think, on this. I, I, I'm very cynical when it comes, for example, to, to hacks of information. Take Equifax, which to me was by far the biggest, right? Because it was the most sensitive information from kind of everybody. And yet everybody then went on the next day and got back online and did all the same stuff. It's not a good thing. I just feel Americans as a whole have kind of just decided, you know what? This is part of the cost of living in, in 2021. I mean, look, if there was a way certainly to mandate simplification of terms of service, that would be phenomenal. How you do that legislatively, I have no idea because you could, because you obviously have the flip side, right? Which is 
there is so much in the, you know, when you bring, you know, an operating system, for example, there's so much in there. If you simplify it too much, you could then have the opposite problem, which is someone's going to sue at some point saying, you didn't tell me about that. And they'd say, well, because we were told it had to be one paragraph and that's your paragraph. We couldn't get in. I think you've got a conundrum. I don't know how to solve it, honestly. Yeah. Well, this is the challenge because every time and this is how tech has managed to have sort of laissez-faire because these problems are so complex and we start doing something and then we aren't able to get the details right and then nothing happens. So hopefully, but uh, you, you raise a good point with the, the simplification and the trade-offs there. Congressman, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. One quick note. Amazon, of course, is an Axios Recap sponsor, but does not have any influence over editorial content. Welcome back. What we're watching today is a group of major stock trading platforms, including Robinhood, which have begun restricting or completely eliminating their users' ability to trade shares of GameStop and other nostalgia stocks like AMC Entertainment and BlackBerry. The limits are officially aimed at protecting users, but critics argue they're really just protecting rich Wall Street hedge fund managers who've been getting their short positions wiped out by Reddit and TikTok traders. Moreover, it seems to be working. GameStop shares are down more than 50% as of this taping, wiping out more than $13 billion in market value. The bottom line here is that stock trading has always been a form of gambling. The only difference now is that it's moved from Monte Carlo to those $5 steakhouses off the Vegas Strip. We're also watching the U.S. economy, which today we learned grew at a 4% clip in the fourth quarter of 2020. That was some pretty major whiplash from the 33.4% GDP gain in the third quarter and was driven mostly by COVID resurgence and related business shutdowns and lockdowns. Overall, the U.S. economy shrunk by 3.5% for all of 2020, which is the worst annual mark since 1946. And finally, if you are someone who loves everything bagels, but just wish they could be eaten with a spoon, Ohio-based ice cream maker Jenny's is now out with a new flavor that it describes as, quote, buttery streusel laden with sesame, poppy seeds, and yes, onions and garlic, smeared through subtly sweet cream cheese ice cream, end quote. Apparently, you need to mix in your own smoked salmon. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven. Have a great national kazoo day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.